Hi everyone, I'm Margot Faraci and this is Heart and Hustle, how to thrive in a crisis. Now there's a lot of bad news out there at the moment and it's valid, things have been difficult. But as a lawyer, as a leader, as a banker, as a parent, as a human, I know that crisis also brings opportunity to grow. So our job in this podcast is to show you people who are doing exactly that and provide some inspiration. Now off we go. Today I'm talking with Dave Berkelow. You might have heard of the stores Berkelow Books or Harry Hartogs. That's Dave. The Berkelow family has been trading books since 1812 for six generations, right across the globe, in fact. And Dave and family opened the now landmark Berkelow Bookstore in Paddington in 19. 94, but there's been a whole generation, as I said, of booksellers that came before them. They went on to open other stores across Sydney and also in Queensland to now stand as Australia's largest rare antiquarian, secondhand and new booksellers. Been through a lot of crises in their time, which we're going to talk about. Adjoining many of the stores, you might know that they've got the renowned Berkelow Cafes, which they've made a place to meet friends, soak up the atmosphere and spend time enjoying the incredible book collections. The Australian offering was indeed born in a crisis, as was many of the other things Berkelow's have done. The whole business was, in fact, born out of crisis. So I can't wait to hear about that from Dave today. Dave Berkelow, welcome to Heart and Hustle. Thank you very much. Now, Dave, we're talking about thriving in a crisis, and it would seem that uh, thriving in a crisis is actually in your blood. And indeed, the Australian version of Berkelow Books was born of a crisis, one that saw your grandparents... Uh, come here into Australia post-World War II with your severely malnourished father in their arms as a child. And that was after a very successful and long-established Berkelow Books had been going in Holland, I think since the 1800s. Now, I promise I'm closing in on a question here. (laughs) Um, But I would like you to take us back to the 1930s uh, back in Holland and tell us how uh, they came to pass that Berkelow's landed here and what was the crisis that they went through? Sure. Well, it certainly was a crisis for for our family, but for the whole of Europe. Um, in the 1930s, the, the you know the rumblings of the Nazi Party and the the, the rise of fascism uh, throughout in, in Germany and in Italy. My grandfather, at the time when my when my grandmother was pregnant with Dad, suggested that um, she go to England to give birth to Dad. Right. As a like some sort of he had some sort of innate. Um, understanding of what forbearing of what was going to happen, and of course he was Jewish, but he she was. was Gentile. Yes, yes that's so, right. Yeah, that's right. So he heard, saw the saw the momentum against him. I guess that's right. Yeah, and so that occurred, and then the war started. Holland was occupied. Holland, Rotterdam was bombed, um, and overnight uh, the business, which was based in the centre of Rotterdam, was destroyed, mm-hmm. and all the stock and the building was destroyed. And shortly thereafter. Um, my great grandfather and, and, and two of his children were taken hostage and ultimately shipped off to Auschwitz, where they perished. Um, my grand there was there was one another child who had had before the war gone to England, uh, where he. So spent, this is your grandfather's brother. That's right, my great yeah. uncle, and he spent the whole war in England, and my grandfather was in Holland. Now he And your dad's alive at this point. He's my dad is alive. he was born. Yeah. So he was born just before the war. Just before the war yeah, commenced. Right. So the war commenced um and Holland was badly hit like it like yeah. every every yeah. country in Europe, but there was very little food in Holland during the war. Um and uh my grandfather was Jewish uh and he went into hiding mm-hmm. and my grandmother 
used to go out and sell whatever she could mm. just to buy, you know, a sack of potatoes mm. or some beans or mm. whatever. But towards and the she end, could go out because she was Gentile. She could go out. So she was allowed to walk the streets. And your and your dad, who was an infant at the time, had to stay inside? Look, they, they initially they did go to school, but yeah. then when when things got really bad towards the end of the war, yeah. uh, my grandfather and the children stayed inside. Yeah, right. Um and there were, you know, the dad speaks of uh, one, you know, occasions where he saw German soldiers open fire in the town square and people getting mm. shot, and you know, it was it was a real, uh, fairly traumatic childhood. Mm. Um, and uh, however, uh, thankfully, they survived. They mm. survived the war. Um, and shortly after the cessation of hostilities. Uh, uh, because my father and his older brother had a British passport, they were able to get out of Holland really quickly. So right. they went to England where my great uncle was and they went to boarding school for two years. Right. My at, God. At age six. Yeah, my God. <laughs> and then two years after... But this is survival at that point. It was right? survival. It's Everyone was surviving. Yeah, yeah. And there was no food and there was yeah, not... So yeah. it was survival. And then two years after <laughs> that, in 1948, uh, both... Family, so the UK family mm. and the Dutch family, both families migrated to Sydney, mm. uh, where they re-established their lives and said, "Well, we've always sold books. Well, Why so, don't we sell so, books?" So, so, yeah. So, one brother who was a bookseller early on in his career, but went into fashion business, right. selling furs. Yeah, and the other brother who was a bookseller, my grandfather, yeah. said, "Look, I understand books, and uh, I like books, yeah. and." Uh, Almost immediately, he started going to auctions and seeing what books were available, yeah. and started buying and trading, yeah. and started issuing catalogues from his home in Roseville. Um, so he started issuing catalogues, <laughs> and then ultimately started a bookshop in King Street in the city in the nineteen. And great decision in the nineteen fifties, early fifties. Yeah. Great decision because Furs v Books. There's one that's continued without controversy. Yes. Well done. That's the, right. the original. That's well, firstly, right. the original pivot. That's you know, right. There was a pivot. The move there. to Australia. That's We're right. all talking about pivots. Yeah. But secondly, uh, you know, you've got to back the right horse. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> no right. No one's buying furs but, now. But furs were extremely popular in the 70s and, and, and the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Very right. popular. But well, you've you're got right. to make your money and get out. You're right. <laughs> then, then it became, <laughs> yeah. it, it, was, it was game over. Yeah. And I think there was, there's a story, isn't there? I remember you telling me once of, didn't your dad actually, your, sorry, your grandfather did actually get swept up, even that's though right. he was in hiding. That's right. He did get swept up and taken that's to right. a, so, a staging post almost that's right. before so there was a there was I think they did it through the election roll or what have you. So the, the Nazis got hold of um, a list, basically, a census of some sort that showed who all the Jews were, all yeah. the Dutch Jews. Yeah. So my grandfather was picked up by the Nazis and went to a holding camp. And because my grandmother was a Protestant, she was allowed... And whether she had to bribe someone, I don't know, but she was allowed to go and visit him. And that holding camp was where the from from where the Jews were ultimately trained to Auschwitz. Yeah. yeah. And the story, as it goes, was uh, my grandmother went to visit him, knowing very well that this was probably the last time yeah. she would see him. And my father, who was an infant, was in a pram, and she had buried in the pram um, some women's clothing. And so she went in with my dad and the pram and her and walked out. Two women walked out, one of which was my grandfather. 
How hard was the heart beating in the chest? Well, that that's point? right. Like, you know, that for however long he walked, uh, yeah. but it was life and death. So it was yeah. like because I he knew that. If you get it, caught, you're shot. Well, all, that's the, it. all the Jews knew that yeah. they were going to their death. Yeah, right. so it was it was um, a gamble that he obviously took, and and he then went into hiding. So they built a, yeah. a, a fake room, fake wall in their in their apartment, which was in Amsterdam at the time, on the top level of a of a you know one of the old terraces of Amsterdam, and uh, he spent the rest of the war in hiding. And thank God, finally yeah. made it out. And yeah. here you are. Here I am. My God. I know. So a crisis after that, like a pandemic, must seem yeah. pretty easy well, for the burglars. Right. That's right. And, you, and before this current crisis, which saw you not quite close your doors, but almost close your doors, you've also been through various other crises, I guess, mm. in, in the bookselling world. Sure. I think you opened you opened the Paddington store, which is kind of your flagship store, yep. I think, because yep. I'm there all the time. You live, it's, and live close. I do sometimes wonder whether I'm putting your children through school you just are, with the you. sheer no. revenue <laughs> that I'm creating. Just lo- it's the happiest place for me on the earth, well, so keep what, it going. That's that's where we want it to be. Uh, so you opened that, I think, in 94 and then, and then yeah. Amazon 95 that's created right. the discount online bookstore. That's right. And Borders arrived. Yeah. And then, of course, of all insults, there was this e book yeah. thing, it's you been know, a constant battle. the booksellers weren't going to stand a chance. Not only have you survived, but you've thrived through that. Yeah, yeah. So what are the lessons in your leadership through that day? Sure. Yeah, look, I, I think renewal and constantly evolving, um, but I think also a, a, a getting back to basics too, is a, it was a key thing for us. So um, the, the important thing with bookselling has always been for hundreds of years, has always been the connection between bookseller and customer. Yep, and it's a, it's a it's a genuine connection. There's often friendships, you know, many friendships that form um, between bookseller and customer. And so, we have always emphasised that one and two. We've always um, strived to create an environment, which, as you just said, is your happy place. But we we really consciously go out to create that when we create our bookstores as a third space, a place where people would actively choose to go when they're not at home or at work. It's a destination That's right. on its own. So consciously they're going, okay, I've got some recreation time. What do I want to do? Mm. Oh, let's go to that bookshop. Mm. Now, you know, a good ind- independent bookshop will do that. Some bookshops don't do it. But that's certainly something that we put a lot of time, effort and investment into when we create bookshops is, and- to, is to create that third space. Your, your staff is a critical part of that. Absolutely. Um, and so I wonder about that, you know, because they're clearly in love with what they do. They are, yeah. And I wonder how you helped them through what was almost closing the doors sure. during the pandemic. Well, I think like every business owner uh, during during that time, I mean, it was really um, we, we were communicating with them uh, as much as possible and, you know, really passing on whatever memos we were receiving from the government at that time uh, in terms of what we could and could not do we we were we had that decision in april like every other business should we close should we actually shut down or should we keep going mm-hmm. um knowing very well that if we shut down uh, it really would mean that people would stop you know at that time we didn't there was no talk of job keeper i don't think in mid early january early early april maybe it was late april but you know, at that time, we thought, "Gosh, that's that's going to mean it's going to really erode people's income and so forth." So we decided at that time to um, keep the stores um, open, 
but not accessible to, yeah. the, to, the, to, to yeah. customers. So you could only come to the front door and express interest in what you <laughs> may be looking at. And so very much a pickup. It's a kebab shop. It's a kebab <laughs> shop. It's a kebab shop for bookstores. So we, we did that for the month of April and that was you really You do what hard. you can, right? That was hard going. Yeah. And that was not great for business. It certainly wasn't lucrative and it wasn't um, commercial, but it did keep the team together. It kept yeah. the wheels spinning. And so when when the bookstore opened again, you know, it really was just about turning up the volume a bit yeah. rather than actually starting the music again. Yeah, okay. And what was the message to the team in that in that time? Um, look, the the message the the message was keep safe, right? Uh, keep safe, and um, you know, really, the the primary focus was that they felt safe in what they were doing, and you know, keep in mind, April was a very stressful time for everyone because. We really had no idea what was happening. No one so, knew. Is this going to be a year? Is it going to be uh, yeah. two years? So we, like... what did we do? So we, we, we provided gloves and sanitizer. We put screens up in front of the counters. Um, we had limits to how many people could come mm. to the shop at any mm. one time. I remember being very frustrated. I want my book. Somebody, that, it's open again. I want to get right. in. That's but right. you had to do so it. So we had, had to do it. Do and it. we really, yeah. I, guess, I guess, gave our staff the confidence to, to, to not do anything that they weren't comfortable in doing. Yeah. And so, you know, and if and if someone was getting too close to them, you know, to make sure ask them to keep their distance, all that sort of thing. Personal yeah. space, personal hygiene. Yeah. The um and I think the I imagine the pent up demand for what you're it was. And 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 look, thankfully, after that period of late March, April, early May, people have sought refuge in books. Yeah. And that's been that's been we need to escape, Dave. That, they have. Yeah. And whether they're seeking hope. Or whether they're, you know, often, you know, trying try to get some sort of understanding of what's going on, or escape, or just entertainment. You know, there's been there's been a run on books on baking bread and cooking, yeah. and, you know, do it yourself, all sorts of thing, yeah. you know, home activities. Yeah. And fiction, fiction's been strong, and that's escapism. Yeah, it is escapism, and certainly, I find myself at the moment buying a lot of books with stories set elsewhere in the world because yeah. you can't go anywhere. That's right. And I think that must be. I look and I've got no, three is. books about Italy it somehow, is. and that must yeah. be why, I guess. Yeah. And I wonder then. So it's been. It's ended up being evened itself out, I guess. In the it end. has, yeah. So business wise, it has evened itself out because there has been sales have been, you know. A, a, have been a bit stronger in the latter part of this year yeah. compared to 2019. So it's made up for the slow sales in, in March, April, May. Long may it continue. So we're talking in November. Yeah. Christmas is nearly upon us. Yes. I imagine there's going to be a rush. Certainly that's when you get my biggest contribution to your kids' school fees. Yes. Well, Dolly, pa Dolly Parton brings out a biography next week. So, Are you serious? Yeah. So that's that, – and Obama brings out his first part of his two memoirs. Two titans. Next, next, next two week. titans of the book world, Dolly so, and Barrett. So they're two big new releases happening next week. Wow. Yeah. Um, and are you, are you reading anything particular at the minute? I am. I'm reading an old favourite called, uh, called The Snow Child. Okay. Recommended? Oh, yeah, it is set, set in Alaska, frontier country in the 1800s. I can't wait. But talk about, it's actually to your point about going to another time and place that, well, certainly time-wise you could never go to, but it was, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great book. That sounds fantastic. I think I better put it on my list. So you've told us a little bit about, Dave, you know, the different existential crises, really, that's what they yep. were, that yep. you faced. Yep. So how have you really changed yep. to meet those crises with Amazon and sure. e-books and those sort of things? Sure. Look, I think, I think 
there's been an existential crisis my whole career. <laughs> you know, if you actually think about it, 94. He's Dave's deep in therapy. 95 <laughs> Amazon, right? Great timing. The poison chalice of the family business. Terrific timing. <laughs> At that point, I should have thought, gosh, there could be another career here. But um, no, look, um, we have, we have, I guess, um, reminded people that that bricks and mortar book selling isn't just about buy a commodity. It's not a transaction. It's, it's not just a transaction. It's an experience. Yeah. And and in doing so, I guess people either consciously or subconsciously come to know that it, it's a really enjoyable experience going into a great bookstore, talking to a really experienced, informed bookseller, browsing. Um, often we do a lot of work for them without them knowing. We're curating the stock. Mm. I know that's a word that's used often mm. these days. But, but you're, you're actually doing it. We are. There's yeah. more in print now than there ever has been. Even, Is that right? Even in the world of Is e-books, that right? that's right. There's more and more books in print every year. So so our job as a, as a, as a bookseller, and if we know our customers well, is to actually pick and choose so that they can come in and feel confident that we know what they're interested in. Um, so we do that in a sense, but, you know. And you've had to be more deliberate about that, I we guess. We have had to be more Amazon deliberate. and e-books yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, the other thing with the advent of e-books is the publishers themselves have also invested more into books. Books are far more um, prettier or handsome or um, attractive than yeah. they ever have been. Yeah. They're not as mass market as they may have been 15 years ago. They're really, there's texture and there's and, and cloth and different different fonts that are that make them draw you in. That yeah. make you make them a very attractive object. Yeah. And so that also has has played to the the longevity of the printed book. Do you, so do you believe there'll always be a place for the printed I do. book? Yeah. yeah, I do now. I mean if you asked me ten years ago I would have you would have well, it was deep in therapy then. Was, I, was, <laughs> I was I was like, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. Because particularly when the I think the, the the Minister for Small Business, I forget his name, infamously, about ten years said that in five years' time, there'll be there will be very most bookshops will be shut. Right. And at that time, so helpful. It, it was great. So helpful it was for great. your staff. It was great. Great, yeah. great, great leadership. Cons- great for consumer confidence. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great for team. Our team. <laughs> but you know, he was probably looked at what was happening to the CD CD business. But um, there you go. We're still here, and we're not going anywhere. No, you're not. I've got one last question for yep. you, Dave. How is it for you? You know, we've all got our, our um, political leanings. We've all got mm. our values and beliefs. Mm. But I know that you stock everything. Yeah. I know you stock stuff that might actually offend you if That's you were right. to read it. Yeah. So how far can you go on that? It's a really good question, Like Margo. could you stock Mein Kampf? Well, it's a really good question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, so and I'll, I'll, I'll respond by giving an example of my grandfather who was who's lost his whole, well, bar one brother, lost his immediate his parents and his siblings to the Holocaust. And he came out here and established a bookshop in Sydney and his philosophy was always that a bookstore, a good bookstore, wasn't about censoring, wasn't about only curating for the left or only curating for the right. He, in fact, did, you know, if, if people did offer him for sale a copy of Mein Kampf, he would, he would put it on the shelf. Really? He would. Really? And that you know, that's, that's someone who had a first-hand experience of that. Now we don't stock Mein Kampf, but uh, a good bookshop, a really good bookshop, should be about putting diverse opinions out there. And so you're really conscious about yeah, that. Yeah, that's important. That's important because 
it's you know important for democracy also mm. that that people can read both both you know, perspectives of all persuasion. Yeah. Is there something that you've stocked in the last few years that you you know that you have to oh. that you but that you've been really it's been hard for you to do? Um, I think we had uh, Corey Bernardi's biography for a while. Um, you know, uh, Cha-ching, I, bestseller. <laughs> it wasn't a bestseller. <laughs> I don't agree. I don't agree with very much he he says. But look, it. it the, the thing is, as I said, it's important to have perspectives of all persuasions, um, as long as you know you're not you're not inciting hate, uh, which you know arguably Mein Kampf does. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's actually, as you say, great debate creates great democracy, it does. and we need to have good debate. You yeah. actually need everyone to be informed right. of each other's opinions because it lifts the argument. It does. Higher. Are you children readers? You got three children, Toby. They, I, you're yeah, not Toby. Toby's your son. Toby, just... to, to, Toby's my son. He reads. Um, yeah, they are all readers in different differing degrees, yeah. but they are, are all readers, probably. Yeah. Do um, they go into the bookstore and get that experience that I get, which is, oh my God, there's so much to learn. Yeah, they love it. They love Do it because it's well, it's colourful too. Yeah. I think children get attracted to the colour too. Yeah. And as I said, children's books, not just children's books, but all books, um, the production values that the publishers are putting into them are improving year on year. So, I think they've worked out that if if they create attractive children's books they're going to sell more children's books and so children interestingly um get really excited not all but a lot get really excited about going into a bookshop well they're exciting places dave berkeley thank you very much it's been a pleasure thanks thanks so much for listening everyone i hope from this you've got some ideas and some themes about how to thrive in a crisis now you can definitely hit the subscribe button if you want to hear more of the show and give us a rating as well thanks again for listening see you soon